Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. What do you think here in the seventh round, huh? All right, got it. Love that dog. Nike making another appearance on draft day. Anything that humanizes Bill Belichick, because there is a human being in there somewhere, you just don't see it very often because it could be used against him. It's that military mindset that he brings to football, and he keeps his cards close to the vest. But it's nice to see Bill with his dog. Uh, and they got their quarterback. They got the quarterback that that many thought the 49ers had traded up to get right. number three. It's many. Uh, who are those people? Who, who thought that? What many, idiot thought that? Many. Many were saying <laughs> that Mac Jones was the pick. And it, it really is amazing to me that the 49ers now claim it wasn't and that they just kind of sat back and watched it all. They studied it all as some sort of a sociological experiment as to how people would talk about it and what they would say and what they would do, and they didn't feel compelled to push back on it at all. I think that's a mistake from a PR standpoint because you'll want to set your fans' expectations. And there is a way, there is a way to to get... Uh, and, to get everybody you know, behind it. Right, right. You want everyone to be behind what you're going to do. And I don't know, maybe they like the fact that the reaction from a lot of the fans that they were drafting this guy who looks a little doughy and his uniform doesn't fit right. And the prevailing attitude was, what's the deal with Mac Jones? Why does everyone love Mac Jones? Maybe they, maybe they thought, Hey, we'll go through that because they'll be happy when we don't take Mac Jones. I don't know, but I I just don't think you passively sit back and just watch how the news affects the perception of your team and say, Hmm, that's interesting. I think you have to actively be involved in how your team's being talked about and how your team's being perceived. But nevertheless, they now claim, reportedly, that it was never Jones. That Jones was the safety net in the event that their deep dives with Justin Fields and Trey Lance, the two guys they were focused on when they traded up. Again, this is the report from Jim Trotter of NFL Media who spoke to Jed York, reported this as actual fact that it was Lance and Fields that they targeted when they traded up with Jones as the Again, if we decide these two guys just don't have it, then he'll be the guy that we take. 
Um, I, I don't know what to believe anymore about yeah, anything. Me neither. We had we had said that once the pick was made, they would act like that was their guy all along. Now this puts a little bit of a twist on that. That it could have been Fields or Lance, and then they continued their deep dive. But uh, I, I just don't know what to make of it, and and I don't know what to make of Jed York admitting that they let Frank Gore have a voice in this process, and they sent Frank Gore Trey Lance video, and he loved Trey Lance. I don't, I did, I didn't know that Frank Gore was a quarterback expert. Uh, it just that was an odd. Yeah, that was an odd wrinkle an, in that an, conversation. An odd, an odd wrinkle. Yeah. An odd wrinkle that that they would export in any way the decision making process to a guy that played for them at running back and did a really good job and they still really like. I don't know what that does to make people feel better about the pick. It just seemed like a strange thing to add. Well, and a strange I, thing to do. They seem like they're you know post draft trying to frame the narrative of what was really going on before the draft now. Like uh, that, you know, again, I don't know if I'm going to buy all that, that Mac Jones wasn't in the running of all that. Now, hey, they could sit back and listen to public perception and and hear all the argument there, because really the only negative thing that was coming out of San Francisco was don't take Mac Jones. So that's easy to sell that to your fan base right now. Right. I mean, oh, the guys you the guy that you all were ready to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge for. We weren't going to take him. Don't worry. Don't worry. So. Yeah, you know, so that's an easy thing at this point. Hey, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't doubt that maybe Fields and Lance were the guys they were looking at. Certainly, you know, as we talked about, I mean, with Shanahan, I think he's got to be intrigued with both of those guys about what they can bring, you know, to the table as runners. And like you talked about earlier with the Kirk Cousins stuff, off the schedule throwing and th those type of things. That's where. Fields and Lance certainly have an advantage over Mac Jones with that type of stuff. There's no doubt. So, uh, again, I don't know what to think with this either. It was a very controversial pick, certainly. And we just heard so many rumors coming up. I mean, listen, yeah, I thought I knew my friend and thought it was Mac Jones. Obviously, I was wrong. But, like, hey, Adam Schefter, he also thought it was Mac Jones. He's been very close to the Shanahan family before, too. So that's where I wrote a book with Mike. Well, that's where I get into go. Mike. I think it's a hard time for me to think it wasn't even Mac Jones in the conversation. But here's where the 49ers are really going to deal with like the blowback, I think, more than anything. And this is uh, the, to me, this is the thing that, you know, I, I heard around the league this weekend was the big thing is more than anything here is did they really have to trade up to number three to do this? That's that's the real conversation. That's the thing that's going to be judged. And we're going to judge Trey Lance versus Justin Fields and Mac Jones and compare them. We know that. But the other thing you can come away from after watching the draft, and I know there's – is that, yeah, did they really have to do that? Did you have to go up to number three in the end of March and make a trade move like that right then? You know, I've, I've been told by two different teams that, you know, that, that – uh, that David, uh, no, I'm Jimmy Sexton, was right before the draft incredibly concerned that if the 49ers don't take Trey Lance because he still didn't know if they were, he didn't know where he was going to go. He was calling around the league trying to find a spot. So that's where it could just look bad on the 49ers when all said and done is the fact that they moved up nine spots and gave up three first-round picks when when you just come away from the first round and you can look at it and go, I think he might have just fell to you at 12, or maybe you could have traded up to number eight. I don't know if you had to go to number three to do all this stuff. Here's the thing. Yeah. If they would have started into the draft 
at 12. Right. They wouldn't have been a team that we would have pegged clearly as quarterback spot. Yeah. You know, we would have speculated they're thinking about life after. Yeah, right, right. Just like with the Vikings, there was talk that they were looking at Justin Fields, and maybe that's why the Bears moved up. Would the Bears have felt compelled? Would the Bears have taken Trey Lance if they had moved to 11 instead of Justin Fields? That's what we won't know the answer to. It's kind of like the Daniel Jones thing from two years ago when the Giants had two first-round picks, one at seven, right? Was it six or seven? Seven. Seven. And then in the – and then in the middle of the round, and Dave Gettleman, the GM of the team, was criticized harshly for not waiting to take Jones with that second first-round pick. And he said, I guarantee you somebody would have taken him in between. Well, Peter King has said he couldn't find a team that would have taken Daniel Jones in between. Not that anyone is going to admit that kind of stuff. They usually don't. But you can't account for the fact that somebody would have jumped the Giants. And so maybe, I, I, you know, the 49ers would have had Fields or Lance at 12. The, the only thing that that trade did was it wiped out the possibility that they were That's all it did, right, right. One of them. Right. And is it worth giving up two future first-round picks to buy that peace of mind? I don't think it is, Chris. I really don't think it is. That with Shanahan and the quality of the coach he is, you, you keep those first-round picks, you hope you get Lance or Fields, and if you don't, you'll find another way. You'll 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 – You'll, you'll find another quarterback. You'll find another way. And I don't know how much of this is making up for the fact that they didn't properly look at Mahomes in 2017 and, and take him when they could have, and how much of it is resonating within the organization that they could have had Tom Brady last year, and they politely told him, no, thank you. We're right. sticking with Jimmy G. And then Tom Brady goes and wins a Super Bowl. And I have plenty of 49ers fans that said, oh, there's, there, that wouldn't have happened in San Francisco. Oh, too many injuries. Too many. Look, you, you, can't, you can't tell me the year would have unfolded the same way with Tom Brady. Or You don't know. No, you don't know. But look, right. at what he, look at what he did for the Buccaneers, who were 7-9 and nine the year before. And what were the 49ers? They were a Super Bowl team. They were the Super Bowl runner-up the year before. So I think that is tormenting. John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, others in the organization. That may be one of the reasons why they did it. They're done worrying about Mahomes. They're done worrying about Brady. We don't want to spend the next month worrying whether or not we're going to get one of these quarterbacks. Let's just go ahead and do it. Yeah, maybe. And then, listen, I'm never mad at a team, you know, like for the Giants scenario, I'm not mad at a team ever like that. Yeah, we got a guy. We This is who we believe in. We're going to go get it. Yeah, it was an expense. Only thing is, is hey, playing the draft is playing the value of the draft too. You know that that's that's the that's part of the task, part of the craftsmanships of you know building your team the right way and all that. That's that's where it's just going to put more pressure on the situation as Lance plays or gets evaluated and all of those type of things. And you know, I still just always come back to yes, Mahomes, like you talked about. You know, did Brady not go in there and all that last year? Them saying no, all that. Yeah, it seems like it's all come to a head to make them, like, you know, do something aggressive at the quarterback position. And I will still always go back to that, you know, Josh Allen 49ers game this past season where you could just tell the, the 49ers coaching staff was a little taken back by how talented Josh Allen was and how much he did off schedule and do those type of things. And to your point, I think that's probably part of the what he sees with Trey Lance, too. He can do that type of stuff, and now he can do what I expect. He drafts Aaron Banks in the second round, a really awesome guard from Notre Dame. 
they're they're going all in on a San Francisco style Lamar Jackson Trey Lance type offense. That's what I think they're going to do going here forward. It's just going to be is he going to start the year? Are we going to do Taysom Hill platooning like with Jimmy Garoppolo? My only thing with Trey Lance, and I, listen, you know I have my concerns. I know there's high-end talent that I really like, too. He's got to play. He's got to play. That's his, one of his biggest issues is he hasn't played. So I just would be like, hey, friend Kyle Shanahan, you, you got to find a way to get him in the on the field this year. You can't have him sit out of football another year. That that to me would be risky in itself too. So I'm just interested to see their their plan of a pro, or their plan of attack here. Sorry. Kyle spoke with Peter King, and the full quote is in Football Morning in America. But he he really peeled back the curtain a bit on the process of watching film and having opinions, and then pivoting to trying to come up with negatives, and then ultimately going back to the beginning. And he he admits that he could watch two hours and get himself to like anyone. Uh, and he loved Trey Lance from the get-go. That was in January. And he spent time cry- trying to tear him down, and none of that stuck. When he got back to the end, he said he felt the way that he originally felt about the Trey Lance tape. So he saw something there that makes him – and that's where the that's where the risk comes into play because he only played one game last year. He's and it wasn't good. the – FCS level, one double A level. Now Carson Wentz, and I don't know, is Carson Wentz a guy that you want to say? Well, he went to the NFL and he did something. I, I still, the book's still not written on Carson Wentz. He started off great, too injury prone, too banged up, uh, and then lost his fastball last year. But you know that's part of the risk you take when sure. you dip down one level in college football. You assume that that skill set that you see unfold is going to stand out when it's NFL caliber defensive players, not one double a FCS guys. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know how many years you'd have to be a scout to truly account for how this guy looks against that level of college football versus how he will look against NFL caliber. And we're going to find out. Yeah, we're going to find out. It's a, it's a great situation for Trey Lance. He's got a great way about him. I mean, he's incredibly charismatic you know, anything you hear from anybody, the one thing like Trey Lance, all the intangibles are off the charts. So, yeah, there's the questions on the field and all that. But, you know, man, when you talk about being a young quarterback and you got a talented offense around you and maybe the most talented play designer in all of football, he's going to be put in position to succeed a lot. And Shanahan's going to find ways to really crack the crack the code on defenses now that he's got a running quarterback like this with his running offense now paired to, with this. Oh, wow. That's where it can be really dangerous and scary, and I can see the logic of Shanahan going with this because he's going to give defensive coordinators nightmares about, wait, I've already had nightmares trying to stop his normal run game. Now he's got an extra blocker with a quarterback who can run the ball and do all of that. It's going to cause some issues, and I, I would think – you know, that, that might help accelerate the process to get Trey Lance out there and play him and start him early in the year. And, you know, hopefully they can get to that point to where they trade Jimmy Garoppolo and they can just let Jimmy Trey Lance go. Now that the draft is over, you will see a proliferation of draft grades. My standard approach for every team after the draft is incomplete because that's the truth. We don't know. 
we never know because so many of the guys, for whatever reason, work and so many don't work. We know that. The bust rate, roughly 50%. Some guys become stars. Some guys become forgotten. And as, as I've complained in the past, when you watch the TV coverage of the draft, it's all positive. All these guys are going to be great. There's very rarely a hint of, well, okay, you know, the, the biggest story was, well, maybe the Raiders reached a little bit for Alex Leatherwood. And now the grades, Chris, I've noticed, are falling into that same pattern. I, I, there's a set of grades at NFL.com. Nobody's lower than a C plus. C yeah, plus. Nobody's right. lower. That's the lowest grade. They're all A pluses, A's, A minuses, B plus B. There's one team other than the Texans at a C plus that's lower than a B, and I think it's the Saints with a B minus. Mel Kuyper's grades. His lowest is C plus. It's amazing to me. It's I, I and it's but, but again, why do why do the fans tune in? Because for their individual team, they want to come into that weekend having reason to think their team's going to be better. And they don't want to hear your team's going to be worse. They don't want to hear that. No, so I, with that caveat, with that caveat, let's talk about some teams let's that had good or bad weekends. So give me one that you think had a good – no no grades, just pass-fail. Give me a team that you think had a pass for the weekend. Well, like, listen, I don't really – this one's so good, I'll give it a grade. It's an A+. Plus. I don't care. I know we don't know yet, but at base level – and I've been around football a long time to Old know, like, exposed. somewhat. I know. Old takes but, exposed. man, to me, again, the team that won the draft, if you make me pick one team, it, it, I'm going with the Miami Dolphins. Just and, and I know, you're right. We'll see how it plays out. we got to see how the season goes. But the Miami Dolphins continue to – you know, show the NFL or give a lesson in team building. I mean, that's really where I just come away with it. I mean, first off with the first pick with Waddle, you got the two big receivers on the outside and Gasecki at tight end. Now you got this guy with all these rockets up his butt flying around the field. Are you kidding me? Then you get the pass rusher, Jalen Phillips. It's the only thing they need on defense is maybe just a difference making edge pass rusher. Oh, wait, they got the guy that's went to college in their city. So I'm sure they know really a ton about him. And so they get him. Javon Holland, the safety there. You know, just another. I think the thing that I like about it is they're kind of like, Mike, a lot of their guys, even though we don't know how good they're going to be, I can sit here and tell you I don't. they're not going to be bad. They're going to be contributing to their football team. Holland was a really good safety, one of the best in the draft. You get Liam Eichenberg, an NFL-ready right now left tackle from Notre Dame who can play guard and has played guard. So now they got him contributor high-end backup right off the backup right off the bat and then Hunter Long Hunter Long is a big blocking you know tight end who has a little value in the past game so I just to me the way they thought out the draft the picks they made you know a little bit of you know aggressiveness and hey we'll take a chance on a Jalen Phillips we think the worth the, the, the risk is worth the reward there and all of that uh, I was just blown away by the Dolphins draft I wonder how aggressively they tried to trade out of the sixth spot, though, because we had heard that they wanted to. And, of course, more teams would like to trade down than trade up. And you have to find someone who's willing to make that move. And you look at how the board played out. No one was really trying to get that high. The Eagles wanted to get back into the top ten to jump the Giants and get Devontae Smith, a guy that many thought the Dolphins would take at six. But I just wonder. It could have been even better because maybe they could have fallen down a few spots, still gotten a high-end receiver, and picked up more draft capital that could have been used this weekend or 
next year when the 2022 draft rolls around. I'm going to give some praise here to the Falcons for a couple of reasons. I've mentioned in the past that the Falcons just kept their mouths shut. They, they, They said all the predictable things that you're supposed to say. It's not like they went full-blown New England Patriots and gave us nothing. But they, they didn't get into this public monologue of what are we going to do with the fourth overall pick? Are we going to go quarterback? I mean, they, they kind of shut that down before it could take on a life of its own. Remember the reporting that there was a split between right. Tom Fontenot, the new GM, who wanted a quarterback, and Arthur Smith, the head coach, who wanted to stick with Matt Ryan? They slammed the door on that a few weeks ago, and it never came back due to the due to the laptop is, is it kind of stands look at the guy sitting everybody else is celebrating and the young guys in his phone isn't that a perfect snapshot yes, of life is. in 2021 the old people are actually living in the moment and the young guys living in his phone anyway i gotta give him credit for for squashing that idea that they're gonna replace matt ryan not that they could have taken trey lance anyway because he went number three they go with kyle pitts they, you know, their, their draft is all about trying to make chicken salad out of a bad cap situation and and hoping that maybe they can keep Matt Ryan around. I mean, he's 36. Has he turned 36 yet? I think he's he has. 36. I think he has. He turns yes. 36 this month. Um, he's still got football left in him. He's still got plenty left. I interviewed him before the season started. He's not a guy who's, you know, in that, well, this is my last year or two. And uh, I, I think that they decided – Instead of trying to find the next franchise quarterback, let's just keep the one that we have. Yeah, that's right. And let's work on putting some pieces around him, even if they subtract Julio Jones. And I still think that that's on the table. But I just feel like top to bottom, it was about it was about turning the page on this mud that they've been spinning their wheels in ever since twenty eight to three, and let's go forward. And we don't have to change quarterbacks to go forward. We can put new pieces around him. And try to do it that way. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, listen, we talked about this a lot before the draft. That made sense. I mean, again, the day and age we're in right now, thirty-six is just not an old quarterback. You shouldn't even, you shouldn't even be looking to replace a guy that's like played like Matt Ryan has the last two years. So that, that's where I think that's like, uh, you know, a, a good move by the organization. Well, why give something away and do that when it's still really good? And give it away for something where you're not sure how good it's going to be. We hope. We think. We don't know. I mean, that, that, that is where I think it is the wise move there. That you can always make a move for the quarterback in the future. You don't know what's going to happen. We just saw a team go from 12-3 to 3 this year and make those type of moves. So you can do what you got to do when the time comes to get it done. There's no doubt about it. So I, I'm, I'm with you with the uh, Falcons and their logic there. Yeah, I, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but when you think of what the 49ers gave up to go from 12 to three. Just remember that when teams are circling the drain in December and we talk about tanking, that there is real value in finishing, you know, as bad as you can. Once you know it's done, there is value because then you don't have to give up multiple first round picks to get in position to get that quarterback you may want. By the way, Matt Ryan turns 36 May 17. He is still 35. 30, okay. 35 for now. Yeah. For another Two weeks. So enjoy your last two weeks, Matt, of 35. 36 is coming. End of career not coming. All right. Give me a guy, give me a team that 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 you think had a bad draft. That had a C plus. C plus draft. Because that's the lowest the lowest grade 
that was given out or something that made you just kind of scratch your head and say, what the hell are they thinking? Uh, I, I think the New Orleans Saints might be the one that I think that. I mean, it, it's hard to go negative, you know, but first off, because you judge a lot of it on the first and second round and a lot of those are the top players you watch. But hey, Peyton Turner at the end of the first round. No, I mean, I th that was a shocker to me. I did not like. I like the player of Peyton Turner. I did not at any point in my evaluation think he was a first-round type talent. And I'll throw that on top of their second-round pick and Pete Warner from Ohio State, too. You know, again, like, solid player, but to me, not the athlete or the specimen to be a second-round pick. So that, that those were head-scratchers to me. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I, I know that. But, yeah, I mean, with Peyton Turner – I just felt like there was more impressive people on the board. Joe Tryon from Washington, who the Bucks took. You know, Rousseau uh, from Miami. Of course, him as well. Just the potential and the size of that human being, everything there. So I think the, the Saints one would be one that, yeah, kind of uh, was a little bit of a head scratcher to me, their first two round, their first two picks especially. You know, we had heard so much about the Saints trying to trade up right. all the way into the top ten. And the, the thinking was they just got trapped in no man's land there at 28, right. and they took Peyton Turner. Although, you know, if you're looking for a defensive end, I mean, Gregory Rousseau, that guy is a giant. And, yeah, I tend to gravitate a little more to the guys we've gotten to know during the process, but six foot seven, the picture of him I know. shaking the hands of Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, right. it is jarring how large that human being is. Yeah. And he had 15 and a half sacks in his one year of playing, and they left him on the board for Peyton Turner instead. So, yeah, I agree with you. That was a little bit of a head-scratcher. You know, for me, um, I hate to keep bringing it back to the Packers, but, I, but, but the whole, yeah, the whole it's weekend, okay. The whole weekend was a disaster for them. Now, yeah. now you know, they, they, they finally did draft a receiver, named A. Rogers, which is just kind of strange, right? And you just wonder, did they think about not taking the guy because they were going to be stuck with those comparisons? But the way they handled the draft last year, how many teams could we point to saying the way you handled last year's draft ended up clouding in a very negative way the perception of this year's draft? Um, and, and, and look, I can't be overtly critical of any of the guys they they picked you know you got help on the offensive line yeah that's good, good pick have a quarterback one way or the other uh eric stokes we don't know how he's going to pan out he wasn't regarded as one of the top defensive no backs that was a little weird to me picked yeah yeah um but you know i i would have liked to have seen a receiver before round three i i i, I almost feel like there's a certain amount of intransigence that happens with the packers now because they don't want people telling them how to run their team. They don't want their quarterback telling them how to run their team. They don't want anyone telling them how to run their team. And they almost resist drafting a receiver in round one because they don't want to give in to everyone who's saying, why aren't you drafting a receiver in round one? Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it, there seems to be some sort of stubbornness there to a degree. Uh, now, listen, the formula in which they believe in and they are, you know, steadfast to stay with Hey, it produces results. There's no doubt. They're re they've been relevant. It's something good. There's no doubt about it. The problem is like we like you know just because we're on this now, they just never deviate from it. Never. You know, it's like yeah, we can have the conversation and go, hey, they've been really good for twenty something years now, 
Or you could have the conversation and go, wait, they've had two of the five greatest quarterbacks in the history of the sport, and they've won two Super Bowls, one with each. That, that, that to me, is not good enough when you lay it down like that. But, yeah, I mean – Uh, you're right. The whole weekend was weird for the Packers. And it wasn't like I came away going like, oh, wow. You know, they killed it. They did a good job. I think the center, you know, good player out of Ohio State. That's good. We know they needed that. But when you talk about the corner there at the end of the first, yeah, a little controversial there to me, in my opinion. I think there was better ones to be had in the second round. You know, his teammate from Georgia, the kid the Cowboys took, I would have taken them. But we'll see how that plays out. Um and Amari Rodgers is a good little player, definitely. But I don't think that's going to like, you know, uh, what do I want to say? Feed the appetite of Rodgers and make him feel like all better now or anything like that. Doesn't matter. No, yeah. uh, that the, 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 the issues are so much bigger yes. than whether or not right. they picked a receiver round one, two, three, four. It doesn't matter anymore. It's, it's over. That, that's the reality that's going to sink in. It's over. And I, it would be so awkward at this point for him to – what would they even begin to do? Whatever they would have to do to get him to swallow his pride and play for the Packers again, they're just not going to do. So it's just a question of how this divorce unfolds. Does he not play for them and pay them back a ton of money? Does he go host Jeopardy if he's offered that gig? Do they finally throw their hands in the air and trade him? Does it happen during the season like it did with Carson Palmer? I think that's how that all plays out. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, speed round time. We're going to take a look at some of the Rookie of the Year odds, offensive and defensive. We'll do that next here on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Got drafted in the first round and broke your heart. Uh, I think I, I Tony. I, I, I really I've got to know him over the yeah. last couple of weeks, and obviously my connection with Coach Mullen and, and those guys. And you know, I just think he's you watch him play, and that was he's a human highlight reel. I regret that he wasn't able to get. Kadarius Tony. By the way, that's rare. Today's speed round brought to you by Verizon. Yeah, that is rare. I, I like the candor. If I'm oh, yeah. Travis Etienne, the guy who was drafted at number 25 instead of Kadarius Tony, I'd wonder. I'd wonder where the coach is going with all of this. Uh, I'm the guy you got. 
I'm sorry if you wanted somebody else. Maybe it motivates Travis Etienne to be better than he would be. All right, and that is what Urban Meyer uh, did. He would have drafted Kadarius Tony if available at number 25. If I'm the Giants, I'm a little bit like, hey, this is our guy now. You don't, we don't need you to be coveting our property. Thank you very much. We have him under contract, or we eventually will. Hands off, eyes off, don't talk about our guy. No, I, I mean, it, you know, they're, they're going to like it, actually. The Giants are going to like the fact that he's talking because it's going to make them look better with that number 20 pick. I think Travis Etienne, he'll, he'll, he'll be all right. He'll get over it. I mean, yeah, they still picked him at 25. That's special. But, yeah, I think you see there with, like, see, that's where you, you get a little look behind the curtain with Urban Meyer. He came from Florida. He knows Dan Mullen. I'm sure Dan Mullins told them some special things about Kadarius Tony, And then, of course, you're watching the film, too. They probably thought, ooh, you know, we're going to get him at 25. We like this, so that hurt him. I, I, I appreciate, you know, the honesty of, of that situation altogether. I really do. Um, if nothing else, this guy in number eight will feel better because look at him when he hears Kadarius Tony. What the hell? Well, Urban Meyer wanted him, dude. So, hey, guys, be happy. Urban really wanted him, so he's going to be special for <laughs> right. you guys. And and we'll see. Hey, this is another, as I said Thursday night, another reason that there are no excuses for Daniel Jones this year. They have loaded up the cannon with weapons. Yes, they have. Jones, And he either becomes Josh Allen this year or he doesn't. I think that's kind of what they're trying to set up, isn't it? Uh, they want him to become Josh Allen. It, they're, they're definitely going all in on just weapons, and they're going to go, wait, we think you can sit in the pocket and pick people apart. You know, they got they got all the talent you need. When you talk about the running back, the tight end, and Evan Ingram, Galladay, you know, Slayton, now Kadarius Toney, and now it's just about can Daniel Jones and Jason Garrett come together in that spot there and really formulate a really good offense that can scare people schematically to go along with that talent. But yeah, I mean this the at the very least, you know, we know the Giants are all in on Daniel Jones and all of that, but the 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 thing that this will really force though, it's going to give them the answer. That's the good thing. Yeah, it's a make or break year. Okay, we're giving you all the chance to succeed. If he can't succeed or do something like somewhat special or good with this group like you're saying, then they're going to have some answers at the end of the year to know exactly what Daniel Jones is. And I think that'll, that'll be good for them ultimately too. Daniel Jones obviously was not the rookie of the year when he was drafted in 2019. Way too early guess for this year's offensive rookie of the year. Chris, the odds are already out from points bet. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued by like Kyle Pitts. Who's not on there. I mean, we know the quarterbacks dominate he's there. Them. Oh, oh, he's yep. farther down. He's, he's plus farther down. Right. Okay. But He's right there tied with Mac Jones, I believe. So, But though they're interesting. I, I got to sit here, though, and it's hard for me to say Justin Fields. I got to see that Bears offense and how they use him and all of those issues. I, I, I think Trevor Lawrence would be the guy I would, I would go with right now. I would. Again, like I, Jacksonville, if we had a longer 8 o'clock segment there, they're another team that won the draft. I mean, they did a phenomenal job. They just got so many difference makers and guys that are going to contribute to their football team. And, you know, they had a pretty good offense set up uh, for Trevor Lawrence to begin with. And now you give him ATN. Uh, and, of course, the defense is going to be better. But I think I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Trevor Lawrence. I'm going to go with the number one pick right now. You know, the MVP award typically is a quarterback prize. 
rookie of the year, it depends more on stats. And yes. I, 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 given the odds, right. I'm always looking for the value. And I, I like Najee Harris at plus 1,400. He wasn't on that graphic. He's not one of the top guys. Yeah. But the Steelers running back. Yeah. If they're going to use him the way I think they're going to use him. Right. He's going to get the touches. He's going to gain the yards. He's going to score the touchdowns. And he's playing for a team with enough cachet. See, that's the problem. Jaguars are trying to get cachet, but they, they, they've got a ways to go to get true cachet. The Steelers have cachet out the yin-yang, baby. So playing for them, plug and play with Juju Smith-Schuster, Ben Roethlisberger, the defense they have, I think Najee Harris has an opportunity to make somebody very happy at 14-1 to 1 odds. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. You're right. He's going to get the ball a lot in, in, in both. Honestly, Mike, I thought about taking Travis Etienne for some of the reasons you kind of just said. Just two, because I think it's they're going to have that college spread type offense, and he's got Alvin Kamara type ability to where I just think he's he's going to have amazing statistics. I'd be shocked if he didn't either. So uh, yeah, but ATN's, I ATN's ATN's plus two thousand by the way. Plus two thousand. Okay. Yeah. So not not twenty to one odds. Not not a bad bet either. Uh, but they still have James Robinson. I know. Yes. And here's the thing. If that offense takes off this year and ATN does well and Lawrence does well, it's going to be like 2016 Cowboys. Dak Prescott was the rookie of the year right. over Ezekiel right. Elliott. The quarterback's going to get the, the, the bump if that's what happens. Uh, defensive rookie of the year, way too early guess for that, Chris. Oh, well, I mean, this one's easy. Like, I love Michael Parsons, but the second guy there on the list is the one I'm looking at. Jalen Phillips. What? You get to be a top five pick and you ended up on the 18th team who already has talent and other good players on the front seven, and you're going to be coming off the edge for the Miami Dolphins, and that team with Brian Flores, as creative as he is at a, exposing like blocking schemes. I mean, we saw that last year. He went through like a five-week stretch where offensive coordinators couldn't pick up their blitz. No, none of, nobody could. He was basically just going here. We're going to line them up all here. You don't know, and we're going to screw with you. I mean, I just I think Jalen Phillips is definitely the guy I'm going with. I think I'm I'm uh, intrigued by a couple of them. Jeremiah Wosu Koromoa, who fell to round two. The Browns traded up. The yeah. Browns were thinking about taking him in round one. Yeah, he's got the chance to be a tackling machine in that defense. And with Definitely. defensive rookie of the year, I went back and looked over the, the the years. There is no rhyme or reason to it. It's driven by stats. It's driven by tackles if you're a linebacker, sacks if you're an edge rusher, interceptions if you're a defensive back, and sacks plus overall sense of F the play up like an Aaron Donald in 2014. Yeah. Uh, Gregory Rousseau is the one that I like, 20 to 1. I like that uh, just because – He's a, it's a good team. He's going to have chances to rush the passer. Yeah, they right. score a lot of points. Right. And uh, I think he's going to be pretty damn good. All right. Last one. Zach Wilson's top button swag. Is oh, what? baby. I knew I liked this kid. I knew it. And I listen, I like what they did in the draft, too. The Jets are another team that killed it. And I just got to see him and Matt, Mike LaFleur and everything go first before I can pick him to be the rookie of the year. We'll, we'll be back with our Monday draft right after this. Pro Football Talk is brought to you by Verizon. Built right for business. With the 73rd pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select Milton Williams, defensive end, Louisiana Tech. That was the pick. Here's the reaction in the draft room. Howie Roseman making a lap 
around the room. Fist bumps for everyone. Fist bumps, fist bumps. Hey, Tom Dono, how about a fist bump? Yeah, okay. Get off my lawn. <laughs> what happened like, there? What, what was what? going on at the uh, end? Like, that guy, that last said, guy, he was really not happy with that pick or something there. What happened? It was Tom, Tom Donahoe, former Bills and Steelers GM. Howie said that these guys spend all your scouting and you get favorites, guys you feel strongly about. We all do. That's the fun part of being in the draft room, the emotions of it. So there must have been somebody else that Tom Donahoe wanted in that spot, and he was salty that they took Milton Williams instead. So. Okay. That's that. Yeah, that is, but right. that is a real dynamic. We've talked about that. There, there's scouts and, and people like that who, yeah, they've they've attached their name to a guy. I believe it. He was part of my you know area that I had a scout, so I really know all about him, and I believe in him, and you try to sell him to the organization, and then you get into those scenarios there where it comes down to the position and the guy you like, and they pick somebody else. It, 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 it rubs them raw a little bit. But the cameras are always there. Yeah. And the cameras right. are always on. That's what everyone needs to remember because that reaction, if he intended it, good. If he didn't, next time, you got to be aware. Camera's there. All right. Veterans now on the hot seat after the 2021 draft. Give me one. Here we go. Well, today's draft. Okay. I mean, let, let's just, I'll, I'll start with an obvious one here. Like, not the most obvious one, but I mean, hey, hello, Andy Dalton. You're on the hot seat. It's officially began. Yeah, the team traded a first-round pick to move up nine spots to get a quarterback from a national power who, you know, everybody was going crazy about before the draft anyways. The fact that he was going to fall out of the top five, I mean, we almost had riots in the street over that. So, yeah, that would be the one where I'd say, Andy Dalton, you're on notice for sure here, and it's just a matter of time. Yeah, that's not very imaginative. I, I mean, know. That's like taking Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I didn't. You know? I thought that I went I went one down further. I, I know. I, I just uh, – you're right. It was a little obvious, but it wasn't the most obvious one. Uh, I'll go Leighton Vander Esch, the Cowboys linebacker. Now that they have Micah Parsons, they didn't pick up his option. What a shock. They, that's why a lot of these teams hold their decision until after the draft because if you get the replacement, you don't have to pick up the option – of the guy that you had, and there was an indication, there was a thought that maybe they were leaning in the direction of picking up the option, but now they have Micah Parsons. They did, that's part of the cruel, harsh reality of football. You find the replacement, the guy that currently has that position, you no longer need. Yeah, that's that's who I, I should have took that first. Yeah, I, I outthought myself there. Like I just I I tried to do one that was obvious, and that was stupid. But you're right, that was a good one, and he's definitely he's definitely you know on notice there. There's no doubt about it. I mean, that, this player's serious. He's the real deal, Michael Parsons. You heard there was – we heard, a no, like, what, it was two or three teams at least this weekend where they – like, you heard Michael Parsons was one of the two or three best defensive players on their board. So that's a really real thing. And then Van Der Esch with the neck issues too, that's got to scare the Dallas Cowboys. Um, all right, I think the, the guy I'll, I'll, I'll say is uh, Sterling Shepard. There's a veteran that's now on the hot seat. You know, not that he's – maybe – you know, not not that he's going to like get cut or something like that, but he is definitely in danger of losing a role within the football team. Yeah, I mean, Darius Slayton's pretty damn good. Kenny Galladay's making nineteen million a year, eighteen million a year. He's starting. You know, you already got Evan Ingram at tight end. Now you got Kadarius Tony, who's a slot type weapon guy. Sterling Shepard's in the slot, so Kadarius Tony, I think, would is going to do big time and fringe on the touches of Sterling Shepard and he could find his way off the field a lot here in 2021. Yeah, I'm tempted to sandbag this one one more round, but I, 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 I got to do it. I got to go Kirk Cousins. He's on the hot seat. He is. 
He is. He plays poorly this year. You think those Vikings fans aren't going to want to see what Kellen Mond can do? They're going to have a challenge in that organization to, to not let excitement build internally and have it spill over externally because if Cousins struggles in the past, what are they going to do? Put in Sean Mannion? No. Now you got an alternative. Now you got a guy who can become the most popular guy in town if Cousins struggles or if the team is not living up to its potential, if it's kind of hovering around 500 in November. Uh, so, I, hey, maybe this causes Kirk Cousins to react the way that Aaron Rodgers did last year, and if so, good for the Vikings. But uh, for now, it puts him in a position where he's under pressure. Yeah, no, I mean, the, yes, I mean, the, to a degree, you're right. I mean, again, yeah, it could be one of those things where if he slips and falls here, that, yeah, 2022, it starts a whole conversation. There's no doubt. We, we talked about Cousins is one of those guys that everybody's always waiting to slip and fall or show, you know, some issues there. So I don't know. I don't know why that is. You know, people are very eager to jump on him. Don't you feel that way sometimes? Or am I that just well, me? Because he's just good enough. Yeah, he's not. I mean, because because the play has to go perfectly because everything has to fall just right. And when that happens, he can deliver a beautiful football and move the team down the field. But he he's not able to to take a bad day and turn it into a good day and Patrick Mahomes and other great quarterbacks can that's the difference I think yeah no I think you're right no doubt about it all right I, I think my last one here I'm gonna like be a little different here and just go like Bill's defensive ends they, they they were they're veterans on the hot seat the, the the Buffalo Bills let you know that they're not happy with their D-line with their first two picks of the draft this year and to go defense end in Rousseau and then the second round, another defense end slash defense tackle in Carlos Boogie Basham, who's got a lot of high end potential. I mean, really does. It's like the good Mike is is like first round good, top twenty good. It's just the bad and sometimes could be fourth round good. And I think that's why he fell into the second round. But I mean, you know, if you're Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, those type of guys. Hey, even Ed Oliver and the inside, all of them, they've been put on notice that they got to play better. There's no doubt. And that, that's what uh, jumped out to me. I was tempted to go James Robinson, but he's not really a veteran. He's just got one year. But clearly, Travis Etienne is going to supplant the undrafted guy from last season. I'll go Raheem Mostert now that the 49ers have Trey Sermon. I mean, you look at their running back depth chart right now. They've kind of quietly weeded guys out. Yeah. And Mostert is the guy. I think Sermon's got a chance to uh, – become the guy if he plays like he did at Ohio State. And he was taken for a reason by the 49ers. And you know how That's it goes right. in that offense and right. that running game. And he gets hot and Mostert's going to be on the sidelines. And that's just kind of the way it is. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Monday edition of PFT Live right after this. Sunday came and went, and Jimmy Garoppolo made it. So did George Kittle. He made that known last week after Kyle Shanahan uh, made a comment that he later expressed regret for, the idea that he doesn't know that anybody's going to be alive on Sunday, including Jimmy Garoppolo. So the rest of the story is a bunch of players called Kyle Shanahan yesterday from the 49ers to let him know that they were alive and well, which I, I, I assume Kyle took that in the good fun that it was intended. Definitely. I, I mean, I, again, I just think it's another good example of it shows you like Shanahan and, you know, his relationship with the, his team and his players. 
the fact that they even feel like they could reach out and do that type of stuff. And yeah, I'm sure Shanahan wishes he could take that back. It got, you know, not, not, I don't want to say taken out of context, but I think he was just trying to make an example. It wasn't taken out of context. No, it wasn't. I, it wasn't. I, I know. It just, he just made a poor example or, you know, a, a poor analogy there altogether. Uh, but yeah, I probably should have called them myself and just been like, Hey, I'm alive, man. Everything's good. Sunday here on the East coast. I'm here. I'm alive. All good. He said he totally bombed that answer. And uh, he was just trying to basically have a light moment with the reporter who asked him the right. question. And he, he should have realized it was going to be interpreted in a way that he didn't intend. And uh, he owns it. He admits it. And, and it gave us something to have some fun with. I'm not complaining about coaches and general managers from time to time bombing questions. It makes life a little more interesting for us. Yeah, it definitely does. And yeah, I mean, you had fun with the headline. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo might not be alive on Sunday. That certainly got people to click and go, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> All right, that's it for PFT Live. We'll be back at 5 o'clock Eastern for PFT PM. Enjoy your day. See, See ya. Soon. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.